Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Actual episode. Hi, this is Barbara Ann. Welcome to part four of the five love languages. Vera and I reviewed this book with Jamie Senna, and it was a long one. So if you haven't heard the first three episodes, please go back and listen to them now because we just kind of throw you into this last one. Uh, and what else? Well, I just wanted to also just to say this, we have some places where you can find us aside from this podcast. We have datyladies.com. That is the podcast website. You can go there. You'll see right off the bat that we have a tip jar. So that leads us to Cash App. We have a Cash App. Uh, Vera and I do everything on this podcast ourselves. We do not have sponsors yet. So if you'd like to throw us a couple bucks for producing this free content that hopefully makes you laugh and makes you feel not so alone and maybe even gives you some advice you can use, even two bucks would be, you know, one for each of us so we don't have to fight over it. Would be amazing. So we have a Cash App, a dollar sign, Daity Ladies. On Instagram, we have this is a long one. It's at the Poobell Twins, which is our performance alter egos, at the Poobell Twins underscore Daily Ladies. So Poobell is P-O-U-B-E-L-L-E, Twins, T-W-I-N-S, at the Poobell Twins underscore Daily Ladies. That's our Instagram account. There you can find all the other things that we're doing. We have a, a huge show coming up that we haven't announced yet, but we also have a bunch of opportunities to see us and also support registering voters in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, which is um, a very important place to grab young voters. If you don't want the country to go a certain way, so we have these benefits that we're doing, and all that information is there in our links if you go to starsinthebackyard.com. And then all our other appearances and stuff, upcoming information will be on the Instagram account. Oh, and then of course, I don't know where you listen to this podcast, but it's probably Apple iPod tunes. We would love it if you could subscribe and also give us stars, five of them preferably. And if you leave us a review, it makes it easier for more people to find us. There's so many dating podcasts by Mexican wrestling twins out there that we really need you to help us rise to the top like cream. We we could use your support. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, that, that would be so helpful to us. So please don't forget to do that. It doesn't take very long at all. Your review can literally be, I love these girls. And your stars can literally be just five stars. Okay, all right. So now we're ready for the actual episode proper to begin. Bye. I was like, what is my version of seminal fluid? <laughs> Do you need to, um, wait, where's that page? I don't know, whatever it was. Is it building up and then you need to... Um... Yeah, I was, did, I was did, being did, physically pushed to yeah, have yeah, sexual yeah. release <laughs> on a somewhat regular basis <laughs> in the movie theater. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you saw it in the theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. No, that movie started out with a woman yelling, we want to see some dick. <laughs> so if you didn't that know you were fun. in the right place, it was a really good time. Yeah, I have like less um, exhilarating versions of this just and they are monthly. And it's like sometimes I'm like I'm dating someone and I'm like, I really would love to see that person tonight. You know, that's just a really good idea. I really like this person. And then the hormones pass and I'm like, Oh, that's that's what that was. That like it wasn't real. I mean, it was as real as all the other stuff that comes up when you're PMSing and all those thoughts, which I also that's a whole other thing. But I mean, my cycle is like week by week. You know, I if I'm feeling really shitty, I'm like, oh, 
there's there's a reason for that, and it's usually hormonal. But if I'm feeling really happy, there's also maybe a reason for that when it comes to so gross we are. I know, really disgusting. Which which also reminds me, I think one of the origins of our evasive, disgusted language around sex kind of originated when the three of us would be talking about this stuff when we were teenagers, because I do remember the phrase "big happy." Yes. <laughs> Jamie could not say erection. <laughs> so. I I I totally forgot about that. But I love that you call that out because it is blown my mind to see your comfort and then discomfort with this topic. The fact that you two of all people oh, in the no. world have created this this conversation brings me so much joy because there have never been two people that have been more likely to be like, so I, shut up, just shut I up. I know. I don't want to hear about it. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. And for, I mean, for everything that we talked about, like it, just this crippling inability yeah. <laughs> to acknowledge that we were having any kind of sexual intercourse, unless it was so bad that it was hilarious. Yes. Yes. In which case we would talk yes, about of course, it a lot. Yeah. Because that was safe. Yeah. yeah but right. yeah, everything else kind of existed on this, like, like we we're saying about this musician, like on this fantastical plane. Right. Where there was it couldn't be ugly or awkward or squishy it had to be it had to be like it had to be sanitized yeah fantasy kind of thing otherwise it was embarrassing it yeah. was like shame, shameful is that I, don't I, know. I mean I think so yeah. like that there's stuff that we danced around talking about before that I would never feel weird talking about now yeah. because I've reduced so much of that shame but like anything around like low jobs oh my god oh, no. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> did you is like... that the sound of giving a blow job <laughs> Jamie, you've come so far. Is that why he doesn't work? <laughs> That's how you do it, huh? You just yeah. shake your face around. I know he, he keeps being like, you know, you don't, you don't need to do it anymore. And I was, oh, hold on. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, I, I was just thinking about like I had some flashes of some really bad sex I had around this time. And oh my god, if I talked to you guys about it, I think things would have been better for me. Uh, I just would have these, you know, I had good experiences, but I had a couple bad ones because I was very busy. And <laughs> that is not where I thought that was going. And I, and I, it's not a judgment because I kind of don't know what to do with it. But you're like, I was very busy. And I was like, okay, yeah. I, you know, there's just like, it was, it was a time that was a time. There was a time for me when when I found my tribe. Like I was at USC around frat boys. I was not gonna fuck anybody. But then we got like we got this like big goth circle, goth industrial kid circle that spanned continents because we were on the fucking computer night and day. And there were there were like opportunities, and I was like so pleased that people found me attractive again. And so yes, I so I took opportunities, but not all of them were great. But I never talked about the details. And I think maybe if we'd talked about this stuff openly, I either wouldn't have gone for some of these people you know or just having feedback you know would have been really valuable but we never went that far why would we talk to each other about it because in some ways even though we really liked each other I think there is an element of competition mm, you know right. what you're saying about Leah if someone has something that's something I don't have there's only so many guys to go around if he likes you then that means that I'm not good enough like I, I think that stuff was in the back of my mind I mean I I wasn't really on the market the same way that you were just because I I was a serial monogamous too but it's like I think that's part of why we didn't discuss stuff like that or is that in your book, Gary Chapman? 
<laughs> hey guys, can I bring it back to the book for a sec? Yeah. Okay. A husband, one husband said to me, this is Gary Chapman talking, I don't like that love tank game. I played it with my wife. I came home to her and said to her on a scale of zero to 10, how's your love tank tonight? She said about seven. I asked, what could I do to help fill it? She said, the greatest thing you could do for me tonight is to do the laundry. I said, love and laundry? I don't get it. Gary Chapman goes on to say, I said, that's the problem. Perhaps you don't understand your wife's love language. What's your primary love language? Without hesitation, he said, physical touch, and especially the sexual part of marriage. Listen to me carefully, I said. The love you feel when your wife expresses love by physical touch is the same love your wife feels when you do the laundry. Such a low fucking bar. Barbara just put a little note on my book. Bring on the laundry, he shouted. I'll wash the clothes every night if it makes her feel that good. Discuss. Disgusted? <laughs> oh, Jamie, you look so weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I was honestly, I was, I was trying to think of what sitcom is that? Yeah. Like it's not married with children because he never wanted to fuck his wife. Uh, but it, it's something where it's like. You mean me doing laundry is like her making me come? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> and then the then the audience erupts in laughter. And I was like, that better not be fucking true. Wait, Vera. What? You just told us about very emotional experience you just had where Blaine did your laundry. And and no point was he like, and now you're gonna make me come. At no point did he say that after he did the laundry. At no point did he like unzip his pants and go have at it. Okay, I d I d wasn't sure. That's why I was asking. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no, he didn't. He did that because he 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 loves me and he wanted me to be happy. But he wasn't like, I know how this makes you feel. I do you want to take a cold shower? Like he didn't say that to me. He didn't yeah. say, do you need to switch out your panties? He didn't. <laughs> okay, okay. He didn't say any of that to me. Um, no, because um, uh, because we're not uh, completely repressed. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Then there's a bunch of um, garbage about things at the end. Yeah. Right? I, I, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely means well. He, he kind of ends the book talking about that there was um, a deeply religious person. And, and he I think he sets that up multiple times in a way that like it is potentially only her faith that's going to help her get through this crisis that she has in her marriage. Though I will say the crisis is so fucking grim. Like it's basically she's like, oh, so for decades, my husband husband basically wants nothing to do with me and nothing that I do will enable him to meet me halfway. And so, um, you know, Dr. Gary Chapman, PhD Esquire, says, you know, what if you just do all the work in guessing his love language and speaking to him on it, knowing that he's not going to participate initially, just keep checking in with me over a period of two months, six months, we'll see how it moves the needle. And the good news is it seems like it does. It does seem brutal to say that there was a point where he says, has he ever said that he hates you? Oh, my God. And she says, yes. Oh, no. Um, oh. And so all of this to say, you're going to have to do this on your own because he's not going to be participating. But it sounds like you're desperate. So let's try it. So the good news is that it works and that the, the husband apparently sees Dr. Chapman as a as a hero. The bad news is that he never had to engage with him and it was just basically entirely and the wife's job to find ways to feed him in his love language until he felt comfortable enough to be nice back to her. This unfortunately is where the Baptist idea that divorce is a sin comes into play because there's no alternative. And I did notice that he only used examples of things succeeding, which 
begs the question, did things ever not succeed? Did things half succeed? Like, are there any sad stories? Or did you just not choose to say? I don't know if this is the same couple you're talking about, but uh, he asks uh, if she had discussed this with any, you know, her shitty marriage with any of her friends, and their advice was simply get out. They all tell me to get out, that he will never change, and that I'm simply prolonging the agony. And it's like the only reference to somebody saying, possibly, you have another another option here. And he just sort of, he blows over it. He's like, oh, well, so he says, it seems to me that you're torn between your religious and moral beliefs um, that tell you it is wrong to get out of the marriage and your emotional pain, um, which tells you that getting out is the only way to survive. You know, I, there are so many marriages out there where divorce is the correct solution, you know? And I, I kind of can't believe that every marriage, including the one where they hate each other, where divorce wouldn't have been a better option. Like, that, that is just kind of mind-blowing to me. So that's, that's, I mean, we're at page 152. Yeah, this is right around the time where I was like, hmm. That's where I feel like you can skip, like, get to the five love languages. Like, there are tools there. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a snippet says Dr. Gary Chapman's like, has your husband treated you as an enemy rather than a friend? She paused. Yes, quietly. Has he ever cursed you? I asked many times. Has he ever mistreated you? Often. And has he told you that he hates you? Yes. Wow. The friends might have been right on this one. And I'm not, I, I do think it is human instinct to want to take your ball and go home. Like I, I have been there and that's not always the right thing, but Dr. Gary Chapman, I'm going to need you to draw a line at yeah. some point. And, and maybe just that one we could have skipped. Like, But she worked real hard at it. Like, someone tells you they hate you. Yeah. That's And what is mistreatment? Because he does talk about physical abuse. And he's kind of, he doesn't really come to any, he says it's really bad, but he still doesn't say divorce. So is mistreatment physical abuse? Well, this is where he turns to, you know, scripture. And this is where he has large paragraphs taken from the Bible. But Let's to, not get into it. No, I just want to say, I mean, this is his rationale. Um, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So, you know, those three questions that he's taking that from the Bible as a way to guide this couple. You know, if you do, if you are a believer, then he is going to the source here to try and find solutions for you. That just makes me think... <sighs> That his heart is in the right place. Like it, you get a sense that he's trying to speak to her and the one thing that he thinks is actually going to get to her. And again, it just, I feel like Barbara, what you're saying is like kind of what I'm getting at. I just like this to me begs the question, can you demonstrate one place where you think sometimes enough is enough? And and I don't think he, you know, his belief enables him to do that. And I do yeah. think that that's kind of, I think that could be dangerous. That's the part of the book for me where I'd be like, I think it's better if people don't have to go to that extreme if they're being mistreated in that way. I do think that there's something to be said about, you know, think the most of, you know, the person before you totally give up. But and sometimes it just, someone's a dick and you're not supposed to be married to them. Um, Yeah, some of the language too that I noticed in this section is about your marriage being reborn. There's a lot of talk about rebirth, reborn. And one of the things I read about for Baptists um, that I didn't know before is to be a Baptist, you have to get fully immersed in water when you're older. It, a, a child, a baby baptism doesn't count. You have to you have to do the rebirthing process. So this is absolutely in line with his religion. So again, yes, it 
I think it would be good to mention that in the beginning so that you know where he's coming from. You know, the word rebirth popping up. It's the stuff that sent me looking further into who this person is. And it's good to know where people are coming from. So I would I would skip that part. Also, I would uh, skip frequently asked questions. I'm going to tell you why. Um, many other frequently asked questions lead him to suggest that they look at his other books. And he does have other books, Love Languages for Teenagers, Children, So What?, and so what? Yeah, um, that was a Freudian slip. Number 10, here's a here's a real hard-hitting FAQ. Why do you think the five love languages has been so successful? That's, a, that's one he has to answer. You know what I mean? After that, though, there's the test. And go ahead and take the test. So don't throw away the book after page 152. You can read the test. But anyway, I think that's it. I think we, uh, we're done with love languages. I recommend it if you um, go into it knowing what you're getting into. Yeah, I would recommend it too. I think there's a lot of concrete. It's it's kind of like the autism autism spectrum. Oh, I always fuck up the title. Guide for relationships and love or whatever. We reviewed it ages ago. It is for people on the spectrum. I think it, you can take the stuff that's not specific for the spectrum and apply it to your life really easily. They're very basic things that are said very clearly. And I think it's the same thing for this book that know that this is for people who have faith, um, maybe even a certain very specific place on the spectrum of Christianity and know that not all of it m- might necessarily apply to you. And then some of it, as you said, could be dangerous. Like, Yeah, I think just, I mean, my, my advice would be to treat it more as a workbook and uh, select the five love languages, extract that as a toolkit to communicate with somebody, whether it be like a friend or a partner or, or you know, a loved one. And yeah, just like, I think it's like tarot, right? Everything is like, what are you interpreting in this? That this is as much a tool to tell you what you're thinking about yourself and what you feel like you're struggling as anything else. And I think there's a lot of value to it there and just kind of approach it as such and, and leave the parts that you don't need and don't let them sway you into something that isn't helpful. Yeah, I call I call tarot mystical or Rorschach because you're just sort of, you know, you, you have a question in mind and then you kind of read what you want to. Same thing with this book. So great way to wrap it up. Yep. Should we all do the good yeah. the goodbye? Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>